Um, but let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Pray for me as my allergies have gotten a hold of me this week and my throat is a little, it's not sore, it doesn't hurt, but it's definitely weaker. So pray for me and uh, put on your listening ears if I get soft um, here. I, I feel pretty good right now though, so praise the Lord for that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I got saved when I was 19 years old. Many of you know that. I was in college and men had and women had been praying for me, sharing the gospel with me, and uh, trying to uh, answer my questions and befriend me and show me what a Christian is. I praise the Lord for their work in my lives. After I got saved in October of 1999, I began to go to church and went to a church with a very dynamic preacher who loved the Word of God. There are many things that I disagree with that man today, but I appreciate his ministry to me. Um, He was the first man that I can remember where I really began to um, long to be able to understand the Word of God in order to communicate that word to others. I began to really enjoy um, preaching. I, I enjoyed hearing the Word of God. I remember as I grew older, there are times where I became critical of preachers. Um, not preachers in general, just the preaching of the Word of God particularly. Um, as I grew in the knowledge of the Word of God, there are times I'd say, wait a second, I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> of course, I was green and proud. And uh, now that I'm behind the pulpit, um, I'm sure and I know there have been things that I've said um, that do not align with the Scripture just right. And uh, it's okay to be, to be willing to hear the preacher, but it's very important. Um, that you just don't take the preacher's word for it, right? Acts two, two, uh, Acts uh, four, uh, fourteen tells us these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. Why? Make sure whether these things were so. And uh, I'm glad I learned those principles. At an early age as a Christian, I enjoyed listening to the Word of God being preached. And it, is, it was the preaching of the Word of God that had great influence on my life. In fact, it became something that I desired over time to emulate. I desired to preach and teach the Word of God. There are many people who've had influences in my life with many different gifts. I remember when I had graduated from college, there was a man in our church and his wife who made it a point every week to have a dinner 
for single men and women to be an encouragement to them. And I remember that was so important to me because number one, I didn't have much money to buy good food, but he would he'd get the 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 strips of steak on a stick. That was good. I remember it still. I remember their hospitality. It, it made a it made a difference in my life. It was a very big help. Interestingly enough, as I've grown as a Christian, I've never found myself very good at that. Now I've learned and I praise the Lord to be able to preach and we can argue on whether or not I can teach the Word of God and communicate the Word of God well. Um, but I do believe by the grace of God, it is that something that God has gifted me. It is something that I sought to learn and emulate. And I believe that God by the Holy Spirit has helped me. No doubt there have been duds. But I praise the Lord for every person who's ever gotten saved simply because I gave the gospel. Or a Christian who said, you know what, that was a great help to me. And that helped me. I praise the Lord for every instance. Because when I look back at the times that I've given the Word of God, I've often thought, how in the world could that be good for anybody? But God uses it. But if I were to stand up here today and think that I was the most important piece with the giftedness that I have, number one, I would be unbiblical, and number two, I would be ridiculous. Because each and every Christian who is part of our church has been given a gift or gifts to be used for the glory and help of God's people. And your life may be the most important life to someone else. For me, it might have been the preachers. And I I love the preachers. And I've always loved the preachers. I love reading about Spurgeon and D.L. Moody. and, And others have found their lives going in a different direction. Saying, you know what? I've always appreciated this particular person who did this particular thing. And I would like to be like them. There have been men and women who now that they're my age and they look back at the college students and, and the ones who are just graduating and, and uh, they see the difficulty of the transition from going to college to not being in college anymore. That's a big transition, by the way. Um, a lot of bad things happen uh, at that particular time. Um, I, I fully believe Um, One of the principles that Jesus gave us when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, just about to be crucified, He told His disciples, pray that you fall not into temptation. And I've often thought to myself, one of the reasons why He did that was the huge transition these men were about to go through because they were no longer going to have Christ with them. Their life was going to be different. And there's a similar transition between going to college and getting out of college. I know that. I remember. Maybe the hardest period of my entire life was a year or two after I got out of college. Often we think of depression as something that comes down upon people who've gotten old or people who've got bad marriages or, or that type of thing. I tell you, 
when I was at that age, I don't know if I've ever dealt with more difficulty in my emotions and heart than then. I praise the Lord for the folks that were hospitable to me. And it's so important for me to be hospitable to others. I don't know if I'll ever be as hospitable as they were. I don't think I'll ever be as hospitable as they were. I might be able to be hospitable in a particular time and moment in my life. And do things. I tell you what, I, I the very notion of, of having people in my home is something that sometimes terrifies me. You say, what's wrong with you, Pastor? Well, one thing is I don't like to talk nor lead in the conversation. God has worked in me, but I am still, I'd much rather be a wallflower when there's a bunch of people than anything else. And to be in charge at a particular event or party is something that I do not like. Many of you are much better at it, and I praise the Lord for every person that has ever stepped up and said I know what to do. Praise God you do. <laughs> I don't. And even if I did, I don't think I'd be able to accomplish what I know we should do. Why? Because God gifts us in particular ways for the edification and work of the body of Christ. And it is done that way for a reason. God has made us all part of one body to do a particular work for Him. We'll do it different ways. We'll, we'll have different uh, ways of doing things, different ideas, different gifts to be able to enact. But God has given us all gifts from Himself for the good of this world and for the glory of God. And I believe one of the ways, and this may be new to you, but one of the ways for us to understand, God, what is it that you want me to be part of? How do you, how have you gifted me? How have you made me unique in the giftings in which you have given me? And by the way, it is a uniqueness that God has done in your life. God, how have you done that? One way that I would encourage you to begin to think is look back on your life and go all the way back. Maybe even before you were saved, but certainly at the beginning of your salvation. And say there were certain people. Believe me, you, if you were, I, I went to a church of, of 3,000 people. There are lots of folks that I got to know. But there were some that had a particular influence that others didn't. And... Their influence became something that I said, I want to be and do it that way. I want to be able to say, I want to be able to, to do it that way. I want to become that way. And by the time we're done this morning, my desire is that you, if you are here today and you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, number one, I want you to know beyond a shadow of, of a doubt, God has given you gifts to use for His glory and for the help of every single person in this church. He has given that to you. For His glory and for the help of every person in this church. And people say, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I think a good place to start is going back and saying, what people have had an influence in my life that I said I want to be like them? 
Because I want to ask you this. Did those Christians have particular gifts? And do you think those gifts were what was used by God to have an influence in your life? The answer is yes. (laughs) They were gifted to have an influence in your life. And at that point, you might have begun to say things like, what that person does, what that lady does, and how they do it. I'd like to one day be like that. I'd like to one day be like that. I believe that's a good place to start. The truth is, is not not one of us, when we first begin this this thought of, of what has God gifted me in, will be able to do it well. God is working in our lives and He will work in our gifts to change us and to shape us and to make us more and more what Jesus is. By the way, Jesus is gifted in all ways, in all situations. Whatever He needed, He was that. We're not. We're rather a body of believers. Does that make sense? You guys with me? I'd like you by the end of this this morning be able to, to begin to think back and say, God, what is it? Who is it that you have worked in my life and used? And, and I began to say, man, I, I'd like to do that. Some of you have forgotten that. And you've said, I've got nothing that God wants me to be. Nothing that God wants me to do is not true. Because God gives gifts to every man severally as He will. And so in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, what God is emphasizing here is that we are not all the same, but we are all of the same body. We are not all gifted in the same way, but we are all part of the same body for the glory of God in this world. And it's very important that we understand that God has given us spiritual gifts that He wants to use to be a help to others and for the glory of God. And so if you look there, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting there in verse 1, we have a transition in 1 Corinthians where for the first 11 chapters, Paul is using the bulk of his writing pretty much to lay into the Corinthians. I mean, he lays into them about their their being uh, schismed by who baptized who. He lays into them by, by allowing a man to... Um, have a, a relationship with his mother or mother-in-law, which is which is terrible. Couldn't even do that in Genesis, right? Remember that in Sunday school. Couldn't do that in Genesis, and uh, and and they were they were glorifying the church because um, they were so inclusive that you could have a physical relationship with your mother-in-law and be okay. Paul said, "I know what I'd do. That guy'd be out of church." And he talked about different things throughout that. He talked about the Lord's Supper. They were they would come to the Lord's Supper and the rich folks would say, look at the good food I brought. I get to eat this stuff every day. You guys over there that are with your beans and rice, you don't get to eat what I eat. This is mine. You eat yours. 
When Paul said, listen, you can go to your house and eat that, share. (laughs) It's amazing what Paul had to get into in 1 Corinthians, isn't it? Oh, to God that we wouldn't have that spirit. But in chapter 12, he changes from laying into the Corinthians to beginning to teach them and move them forward in their walk with Christ. And he begins that with the, uh, in chapter 12, 13, and 14, he talks about the giving of gifts, the empowerment of the gifts, and the outworking of the gifts. In chapter 12, he speaks about these gifts and why he gives them. May God help us today. In verse 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would have you, I would not have you to be ignorant. Now, one of the things that you need to understand in your King James Bible, and I appreciate this about the uh, the translators, is that sometimes they said, I want to be able to clarify and try to make and figure out, try to, to make it clear what is trying to be said here. And, I, I, and there's not a particular word that's being spoken of in the Greek, um, but it'll help. And so they italicize the word. And so if you've got your King James Bible in verse 1, you're going to notice the word there, gifts, is italicized. Now what that means there is that there's no Greek word, they're just using it to try to explain. Now, we need to understand that in trying to explain, they could also be wrong and they understood that and they said that in the introduction. You can go back to the introduction of the translators and they make it clear This is what we're doing. The rest of the chapter, when you see the word gifts, it's not italicized. God is speaking particularly about those things that the Holy Spirit gives. But what the Scripture is really trying to say is that there are spiritual things and there are carnal things. He's been talking all about carnal things. And now he's transitioning to that which is spiritual. Brethren, God wants us to be about those things that are spiritual. He wants us to make those the main thing. God has given you spiritual gifts. There's carnal things that are going to keep you from being able to live out those gifts. Because you're going to spend more time thinking about the carnal than the spiritual. We have to put away the carnal So that we can think about the spiritual. If you're going to be hospitable, are you going to have to put away the carnal in order to figure out how you're going to be hospitable? You're going to have to spend some time thinking about it, aren't you? If you're going to give, uh, teach the Word of God, if you're going to, even, even in the gifts of healing, uh, there's going to have to be a spiritual mindset. When the apostles wanted to, to cast out a demon, they couldn't do it without much prayer and fasting. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but I don't believe that God has called us today to go touch someone on the head and make them fall on the ground and say you're healed of some unknown disease. If God wanted us to heal people, He'd take people with no legs and give them a leg. He'd take people who couldn't see and he'd give them sight. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is in the healing business. 
We need to call upon Him to be healing. And there are certain people whose life is given to praying for people to be healed. But if you take a look there, now concerning these spiritual things, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be without understanding. You know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. It's interesting in verse 2, he says, in the first part of the sentence, he says you were carried away. In the second part, he says you were led. <laughs> the devil is very crafty. He can carry us away and he can lead us. We need not follow. And if he tries to pick us up, we need to stomp him down. But we have one God and that's Jesus Christ. In verse 3, he says, Wherefore I give unto you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and no man that saith unto Jesus uh, uh, can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now we need to be careful about that. Because in, in Luke and in other places in the Gospels, you see this passage, uh, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not that which what I say? He says, they, uh, they're going to come, and I'm going to say, I never knew you. So were there people who said, Lord, Lord, who Jesus said, I never knew you and are going to heaven? Yeah. What's he talking about here? He's talking about that which has so come into our life that it is an absolute conviction that I live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why did people live for idols? They either lived for idols because they were fooled, or they lived for idols in order to take advantage of the ones fooled. And if we're not careful, when it comes to spiritual gifts, we will use them to have power over others. This cannot be. We cannot take that which is spiritual and twist it into that which is carnal. And there were those in Jesus' day who did those things that seemed miraculous. They said, we have cast out devils in your name. Is that not true? Am I, are, do you guys know that passage? I'm not going to go there. Am I, telling, am I lying? Did they not say, Lord, Lord, we have cast out devils in your name? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evil worker. Aye, aye, aye. So here were people that were doing these miracles, supposedly in the name of Christ, but I tell you the truth, it was for one reason, to have power over others. It cannot be. And do not be fooled by these masquerading men who are trying to have power over people and have wicked power over people because they say they have spiritual gifts. It is a lie. In fact, every person who by the Spirit does what they do for God will ultimately want to be lowered and not lifted up. Are you guys with me on that? They will want to be lowered and not lifted up. Whether it be Paul who said, I have a thorn in my flesh, and he 
said at the end when Jesus said he wasn't going to take that thorn away, it was so that Jesus could be lifted up. Whether it was John the Baptist who said, I must be lowered and he must be lifted. But all these charlatan men that you can see on the the, uh, Christian channels, the Benny Hens, etc., They are doing a wicked thing and they are doing nothing but taking advantage of foolish people. Don't be fooled. God has given you spiritual gifts. And by the way, if you live your life according to the will of God using those spiritual gifts, you have greater power for the glory of God than any of those folks. Verse 4. Now there are diversities or distinctions of gifts, but the same Spirit. He's literally saying that there is a uniqueness to what He's doing in your life. Can you believe that? You know God's working in my life. You know God's working in yours. And it's unique. Isn't it? It's unique. It's amazing that He can be working in my life and working in your life in unique ways all at the same time and all for His glory. All coming to the glory of God. It's amazing. It's remarkable. Now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations but the same Lord. There's differences in... The way of ministering. You know that's okay? You know it's okay for there to be a difference in the way we minister? Do you know that? It's okay to have a difference in the way you minister. Maybe you do something different than another person. God says, hey, there are differences of administration, of administering a particular thing. For example, uh, just to, to, when, when you say, administering medicine. Are there different ways of administering medicine? Sure. You can get it in the mouth. You can get it through a shot. They've got different ways. You can get it sucked up through your nasal passages. That's what that word means. Administrations is the idea that there's different ways of doing particular things. And God's going to work in your life to bring that to pass. And then He says, Um, And there are diversities of operations, but the same God which worketh all in all. By the way, it's diversities in all three. It's diversities, 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 or distinctions, distinctions, distinctions. God does things and leads people to do different things, but He is the same Lord. He is the same Spirit, and He is the same God which worketh all in all. And when He says there are diversities of operations, He means the end result. (laughs) The end result can be varied. This is so important. I may go out and minister in a particular way and find myself being fruitful in a particular way. And another person could go out and do very similar things but differently and have a different result. But here's the thing. God is over all and in all. And as we're seeking to do the will of God, if I do something that maybe leads to to uh, five people being saved and you do something to, that leads to one person being saved, is it right for me to say in the end, well, my way is the better way? That is stupid. God is saying there are diversities in things and one God over all. all in, uh, he, is the, he, is the, he is the God. 
It's all done to the glory of God. And we should not stand back. And this, one of the terrible things that we see in, in churches today is, is where we say, well, my way is the only way. Well, wait a second. That's not even true within the church. <laughs> Much less you being a different church. You guys with me? I may go to door. I may go do door to door, and you may put uh, you may put tracks on windshields or whatever it is. God's leading you through your gifts to do particular things. I may feel comfortable with strangers. You may invite them over to their house. You may invite them over to your house. You may be much more neighborly than me. You say, "I've got a neighbor over here. I'm going to invite him over." I. I don't know what I'd do if my wife said I'd invite the neighbors over. So enjoy it. I'll see you later. I don't know. I'd be there. No, we, we need to invite the neighbors over. I may do uh, backyard Bible club. You may be in a, you may have a desire to, to, to do a Bible study in your neighborhood. There's diversity. God uses all these things for our help and His glory. Right? God wants us to figure it out. We need to be spiritual and not carnal. It's our carnality that keeps us from being able to figure it out. It is our lack of communion with our great God that keeps us from being able to figure it out. And so He goes on. In verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. What is he saying? He's saying that the Spirit of God is working in each and every one of us to do particular things. Why? To profit with all. You know what that means? To be a prophet to everyone. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? (laughs) You mean my life is going to be a prophet? To everyone, as you live for the Lord, your life is going to be a profit to everyone. You may invite someone over to your house just to fellowship and they they start talking about every complaint they have. And you're able by the inspiration of the Spirit to calm them down and to get them to come to a place of turning back to the Lord or or getting things straight with the one they're complaining with. And I tell you what, nobody else may know but three people, but you've been a help to everyone. There's so many ways in which God wants to use us. And the amazing thing is, and we have to remember this, God has done that for each and every one of us. And I'm so glad that that's true because there are so many deficiencies in my life and I might look back and say, God, there's so many deficiencies in my life. There's no way that I'll ever be able to do certain things. And here's what God's saying. I don't have you to do that. I got them to do that. I got you to do this. Does that make sense? Now, if God calls me to have somebody over to my house, I better do it. And I believe that every one of us have a, we need to be hospitable. It's a command in the Scripture, but there is a gift of hospitality. There's a gift of teaching. There's a gift of knowledge. There's a gift of wisdom. 
There's the gift of healings and there's the gift of tongues and there's certain things that um, we can go into all that, but that's not, not the point of these things. The point of these things is the scripture says in verse 31, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. You know, we look at this and, and I do believe that there is the gift of teaching and it is of the utmost importance. God puts a primacy throughout Scripture of teaching and preaching the Scripture. He does that. But not everybody can be a teacher. Not everybody can be a preacher. We can all teach and preach in particular smaller areas, but not everybody's going to get behind a pulpit. Right? How many if I said, listen, next week you're preaching, you'd be up here in a heartbeat? There wouldn't be many, because one of the biggest fears that anybody has is getting in front of somebody. And so what does he mean by, but covet the earnestly the best gifts? Is it saying, well... Everybody needs to covet and want and and pray for being a preacher. If that's the greatest gift, I'm not I'm not at all sure that that's what that's saying. Here's what I believe it's saying. There are gifts that people have, have done. They they have used their gifts to have such an influence in your life that you think about it. You dwell about it. You think to yourself, that is amazing. It could be a mom who has a bunch of kids and somehow gets them all lined up and is able to, to somehow feed them all and, and have a... If I've got five. I don't know how folks get too much more than that. I'm pretty sure some of my kids would starve. Right? But they're able to do these things and and they've invited you into your home to teach you maybe how to make a table look pretty or or cook a particular dish or, or that kind of thing. And all these things go into what God wants to do to use you in the lives of other people. And, and that left an impression on you maybe years ago. God says, I want you to remember what you earnestly covet. What is it that you earnestly covet? Because I have made you unique from every other soul. And I want you to use what you earnestly covet because I'm the one who put the desire for you to covet in there. I want you to go after it with everything you've got for my glory and for the help of the folks in your church, in your community. And as far as it goes. You guys with me? It makes sense. God wants to use you. He wants to use you. And it's so important that we understand this. Let's read. And we're going to go quickly and we're almost done. Verse 9. Verse 8. He says, For to one is given this... We're going to go more in depth in these things as we go on but he says in verse 8 for to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit two different uh, gifts both of them having to do with the word um, because both of these things it must come from the word wisdom and knowledge um, 
to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. By the way, that word healing means to restore or to bring remedy or to be a medicine. And brethren, there is some things that people need a person who has medicinal value in their life. The book of Proverbs tells us that a word can be like medicine, can it? Have you ever had somebody speak a word to you that was like medicine? God wants to use you to be a help in the physical and emotional lives of others if He's gifted you that way. Now I believe when it comes to healing and the idea of, of walking down the street and a man says, Hey, I'm blind. I don't have any, I, I don't have any money, but... But uh, would you give me some money? And Peter says, well, no, I don't have any money, but what I do have I'll give you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, see again. I'm, I'm no, I don't see that happen. But I do believe that God wants to use us to be of great value the physical and emotional needs of God's people to be like medicine. Not everybody's going to be able to do that. He says, to another, the working of miracles. The operation, the working of miracles, the way in which God is able to to, to do things that are beyond the natural. God still can do miracles, believe me. It's going to take people who are saying, you know what, God, you can do miracles. I believe with all my heart. I'm going to pray until we see you do it. He says to another prophecy and to be able to, to, to declare the word of God with authority to another discerning of spirits. Rather, we need people who know when a person is being a shame. I tell you, there have been times where I have thought that this particular person, this is the nicest person. This person, man, they sure are godly. Another person coming to the pastor and listen, just be careful about that guy. There's something wrong with him. There's something wrong with him. I'm not sure about that guy. So, well, he's the nicest person in the world. Come on. Next thing you know, man, they, they were a sham. They were, that, that's what it means by, diverse, by discerning of spirits. They, they know the reason why a person is being the way they are, and they know genuineness, and they know when it's not genuine. Some people are gifted in knowing these things, right? And other diverse kinds of tongues. By the way, it's, it, the diverse is, is italicized there, but kinds of tongues. In other words, the gift of God is kinds of tongues. Which shouldn't surprise us. We learned about the Tower of Babel earlier, right? There's tons of tongues around this world. You know, there are some people... Christians who are amazing at learning languages, it is amazing to, to meet a person when they say, you know, I know 15 languages. And they're not saying proud, but they use those things for the glory of God. Then there's others who have been used of God to translate the Bible into six or seven other languages. How do you do that? I can't even understand. Oh, well, I, I really have a good knowledge of Greek and... And uh, a particular thing in this, and I say, man, I, I just go to my concordance. The only Greek I know is when I press play and the guy goes, 
Apostolos. And I say, well, that's great. Now I know a Greek word. I can use that in the preaching and everybody would be amazed at all the Greek I know. I'm just copying what the guy said earlier, believe me. Right? But some folks, man, when it comes to language, they know it. From the very beginning in the books of Acts, when people would be able to speak languages that they didn't know is amazing. But in today's world, we have people who are filled with the glory of God and being able to do these things for His glory. Verse 11, But all work at that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man individually. It says severally, and that means individually as He will. That means God's working in your life as an individual. Giving you gifts. By the way, every Christian has one at least. Right? Every Christian has one spiritual gift. Why? For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that, of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink in one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? What's the answer to that? No. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? No. Right? Tell you, the foot may look ugly, and I wouldn't take my shoes off to show you my feet at all. But if I didn't have feet, it'd be a whole lot of trouble, wouldn't it? And if the ears say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not the body, is therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now have God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it had pleased Him. He put you here for a reason. And He has a work for you to do using gifts that you have and not others for a particular purpose. But we are now meant, uh, but now are they many members, yet one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. How ridiculous would that be? Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. That, and what he's saying is if a person who thinks they're very gifted says, you know what, we don't need you and your gifts, they are doing the wrong thing, right? Because we're all one body. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. God would help us to rule our lives this way. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. The ugly parts of our body are the most useful and the most needed. I heard a preacher preaching about this. He said, I, my big toe. You ever looked at your big toe? Your big toe is ugly. Right? I mean, that's an ugly part of your body. I often wonder, those little hairs, the knuckle, that, that is ugly. I don't want you looking at my big toe. It's got all kinds of... My, my poor nail, that, 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 never mind. But my goodness, you know, if you don't have... If you took your big toes off... You would not be able to walk. It keeps the very balance of your body. May God help us. There's not one member of our church whom God does not have a great use for. 
But we have to be willing to set aside the carnality of our lives in order that we might be used in the spiritual ways God wants for us. Verse 24, for our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together. I like that word, tempered. I like that word. He has fused us together. When you get a new cell phone, you don't want to get the little plastic film put on there. You want to get the tempered glass, right? Having given more abundant honor to that parts with lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, having all the gifts of healing? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? No. No, not all do. And that's true. Verse 31, but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. By the way, you probably know chapter 13. Chapter 13, all about charity, about love. And brethren, you can have every gift. But if you don't have love, you are nothing. The power of our gifts is love. We'll get into that in a couple of weeks. Next week we'll spend a little more time in in some of these gifts and we'll look in some other places. But I want you to know God has done something in your life to lead you to say... There are certain things that I want to be able to do and emulate, and it's different from me. But that's okay. God has a way for you to go. Amen? Consider those things. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want you to spend some time with God. Maybe you haven't thought about these things in a long time. Maybe you've never thought about these things But God wants to begin leading you in a particular direction. He has gifted you in particular ways. I could never go through the multitudes and diversities of gifts. But there are certain things that God has done. And and He has led you to say, you know what? When that person did that thing that was so helpful to me, and I want to do that in the quietness of the moment. You and God, and the memory that He's given you, would you think about what is it that God has done in your past that has led you to say, that has been so good, I want to one day be able to do that for someone else. Spend time with God this morning. Ask Him, Ask Him to help you. If you know your gifts, ask Him to refine you. If there are things you're not gifted in, ask God to help you to be able to do that when the time comes. Ask God to use you for for His glory and for the help of others.
It's all for His glory.